Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans. Let's get started. Joining me today is Adam Schuster, Senior Director of Budget and Tax Research. Governor Pritzker is set to speak to the public today for his fourth budget and state of the state address of his term. In these four years, Pritzker's levied 24 taxes and fees on businesses and residents and increased spending by billions of dollars. With billions of dollars of federal aid left to use, we expect to hear more of the same in 2022. Adam's here to talk to us about Illinois' finances and why it's time to get serious about fixing the structural problems here in Illinois' state budget once and for all. Adam, thanks for joining. My favorite topic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know every year we get to come back to this. So let's just set the historical baseline for Illinois' budget process. Since 2001, what's it looked like? We have had an unbalanced budget for 21 consecutive years uh, in this state. We have ended each fiscal year with a general funds deficit since 2001. Um, Illinois, unfortunately, is one of a handful of states that allows uh, end of year deficits to be carried forward. Uh, And so over those, you know, 20 plus years, we have uh, accumulated a massive carried deficit um, from our spending just regularly exceeding our revenues. The only state uh, that saw its spending exceed its revenues more than us was New Jersey uh, over like the last 20 years or so. Um, so that we're always tied for with New Jersey for number one or two, but this is what, what's given us um, the largest debt burdens in the nation relative to the size of our economy, uh, the highest tax burden for the average taxpayer. Um, and the real sad part about it is so much of that money isn't really going to things that benefit people. So how much uh, money in federal aid did the state get And how does that change the equation on the budget? So for the state budget alone, they got about $14 billion. Uh, That's including the CARES Act, the American Rescue Plan, um, but also other types of budgetary aid like the increase in Medicaid matching funds. So about $14 billion for the state budget um, spread over just a couple of years, that'll go go a long way to fill holes. Um, But that's not even the complete picture because if you look at all of the private and public sector stimulus, so spending to local, uh, direct spending from the federal government to local governments, which means that the state of Illinois doesn't have to, you know, support those local governments or uh, direct aid to individuals and businesses that mean um, consumption and income levels uh, stayed up during the pandemic, which means Illinois did not experience the revenue losses uh, that it expected. That's about $190 billion, uh, $190 billion across the, the public and private sector. Um, that is uh, 100% responsible for the improvements in the credit rating. And I want to be clear, we, 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 we went up one notch in the credit rating. We're still the lowest of all 50 states and the lowest that any state's been. So not that much to celebrate. Um, but those improvements in the credit rating, um, the temporary drop in the bill backlog are the direct result of this federal rescue. Um, and you know you don't have to just take my word for it. Look, look at what Governor Pritzker was saying right before this federal rescue came through. He was threatening um, across the board tax hikes on everyone. He was threatening massive uh, service cuts, right? And now that the federal government basically came and bailed him out, um, he's trying to take credit for those improvements. But, you know, he's kind of betrayed by his own words in that sense. And one other point that we should probably touch on before we dive into the specifics of what's going on with this year's budget is this threat that you mentioned. So I remember the fear of COVID and the the lockdowns was that we were going to see a massive dip in tax revenues. 
And that didn't materialize, did it? No, uh, I mean, across the country, state and local revenue losses have ranged from non-existent to way, way, way less than uh, we expected. And aggregate um, state and local revenues, so uh, across all 50 states, are actually up about 16%. Um, so many places, not only in, including Illinois, not only didn't experience the revenue losses uh, that a lot of people worried about early in the pandemic, um, they also got so much federal aid that it brought them to a surplus. So they're, they're above um, prior baselines uh, in terms of their revenue. Uh, and you know, the, the question is like, what, what should they be spending that money on? Illinois spent a lot of it on, on paying down debt, on um, patching holes in its general funds budget. There, there are more productive uh, uses for this money, but because Illinois was the least healthy state of any state going into the pandemic, um, they were also the only state in the country that had to borrow money for the Federal Reserve just to survive uh, until that federal rescue came along. And then they indirectly repaid that federal borrowing with, with, with federal funds. And you're talking about patching holes. One of the holes that has not been patched affects small businesses, right? This unemployment insurance fund. Why isn't the state using federal aid money to help prevent small business tax hikes? Um, you know, there's really no excuse for it. Uh, that would be the most productive use of the uh, remaining aid is to fill holes in the unemployment insurance trust fund. And the original guidance from the Treasury Department made clear that you could not only repay federal loans and not only close your deficit, meaning get you back to zero, but you could actually use that federal money to get you back to your pre-pandemic uh, trust fund balance, which is, you know, as of I think January 27th, 2020. Um, Illinois has such a huge hole uh, in its unemployment insurance trust fund. We can't even quite get back to uh, that pre-pandemic balance, but the least we could do is just close the, the existing deficit in that account and pay off our, uh, the loan that the federal government gave us. Because if we don't do that, um, there are automatic tax hikes that start hitting businesses both through federal law and through state law. Um, and there are automatic benefit cuts that reduce the generosity of the unemployment benefits for people who are still in the system. So. Uh, we'll be harming both unemployed workers and small businesses, you know, making it harder for them to, to hire workers if, if we don't figure out um, a way to close this hole without, you know, tax hikes and businesses. So let's talk about the budget for the coming fiscal year and retroactively what Governor Pritzker has done when it comes to state finances. So what is Pritzker getting wrong when it comes to how to handle the state's finances? I would say the main issue is that he has mostly kind of tinkered around the edges, right? The, 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 the biggest problems in our budget have kind of been on autopilot for at least a decade, if not longer. And, you know, pension costs, uh, the cost of government worker health insurance, these are the cost drivers that make our budget structurally unbalanced. Um, and the only way to fix that structural imbalance is to go after the root causes. Uh, rather than doing that, um, Pritzker has basically relied on a series of kind of nickel and diming tax hikes. Uh, he wanted the big tax hike, of course. He wanted the progressive income tax, but um, because voters rejected that, instead, he's done these 24 different tax and fee hikes, and they may be smaller on an individual basis, things like doubling the gas tax, um, increasing um, vehicle registration fees, uh, a new tax on parking garages, higher taxes on online sales. Um, all of these things have combined to take about $5.3 billion, roughly, um, more out of businesses and taxpayers' pockets uh, and give it to the state. Um, 
at the same time, he's been steadily increasing spending. Um, each year, he's proposed spending increases. Every February in his budget address, he proposes spending increases compared to baseline spending. Um, and if you look at uh, the three years he's he's had so far, plus this next budget year, and I'm I'm even being generous, assuming he doesn't propose any spending increases this budget year. But just just how we are so far, he would have spent five billion dollars more than the baseline from from before he took office. Um, five billion dollars in spending increases, five billion dollars in tax increases. Um, you know, plus the federal aid means that the deficits haven't been as bad as they would have been. But absent the federal government coming to the rescue, this you know you don't increase your spending when you're expecting your revenues to fall, right? It's it's sort of just obvious kind of common sense uh, uh, budgeting. If you're gonna have less money, you have to spend less money. Um, if the federal government hadn't come to our rescue, these, these spending increases would have put us in a, in a horrible position on the, on the brink of, of sort of fiscal collapse, uh, in my opinion. Um, so he's lucky that the federal government did come to his rescue. Yeah, and we kind of find ourselves in a nice spot right now in the sense that we we have a little time the federal aid bought us a little time to get our problems in order you know this budget could be relatively painless and it could be a time to work ahead i'm, I'm sure it's nice for governor pritzker to be in this position right now where he doesn't really have that pressure um ahead of an election especially but you know if we were going to work ahead Let's talk about what you're proposing instead of just hoping for the best and, and relying on this federal aid to carry us through to the next budget. What can we be doing right now to get ourselves on a more stable path for the future? Well, I, I, I want to answer that, but if I could just just briefly, I also just want to set the stakes for what happens if we don't do anything, right? If we kind of continue down this tinkering around the edges, but mostly maintaining the status quo path that, that Pritzker has been on, um, we will be right back within five years to, to a six and a half billion dollar unpaid bill backlog. That was about where the bill backlog hovered um, for years before this federal aid helped to be uh, paid down. That's not even the full story because we also we sold bonds to pay down that bill backlog, which is another about six point three billion. That's it's still short term debt still taxpayers are on the hook for it. It's just, it's like it's on a different credit card, right? So it doesn't show up in the bill backlog anymore, but we, that's, you know, more more than $6 billion that we're sort of pretending is gone that is that is just on the books elsewhere. Um, so when you when you look at the both of those things, the, the bill backlog going back up to its historic level, this uh, this short-term bond debt that we sold to reduce the bill backlog, without, the, without structural reforms like we're proposing, we're going to be in a worse position than we were pre-pandemic, even with this federal aid. So the, the federal aid really should be seen as breathing room uh, and an opportunity to, to make those longer-term changes. So what do we do? First and foremost, pension reform, focus on pension reform. That is the root cause of virtually every other fiscal and economic problem that the state of Illinois has. Whether you want to talk about our high property taxes, uh, poor growth in home values, which are of course related to property taxes, um, slower jobs growth in the rest of the country and our neighbors, slower wage growth in the rest of our country and our neighbors, people fleeing to other states, or the 21 years of, of unbalanced budgets, all of these things can be directly tied to pensions. And you know, the, the really frustrating thing is that we already spend way more than any other state on pensions. Um, as a share of our state and local revenues, it's about double the national average, but we, we still have this huge gap uh, in what has to be paid off. And there's really no way 
that that can be paid off without pension reform, without structural reforms to the system, uh, to make sure that they're affordable and sustainable for taxpayers, but also sustainable, for, you know, for the employee who, who who's relying on that uh, for their retirement. And the ultimate solution that we need on pension reform is a constitutional amendment. We need to unlock uh, this this fiscal handcuffs in our constitution that says you're stuck with a poorly designed, broken, deeply indebted system that somebody developed 30 years ago without doing a cost estimate, and you have to figure out how to pay it off. That's not acceptable, right? That's that's generational wealth transfer. We we need the ability to to make real changes to the pension system. Um, but the constitutional amendment obviously you know takes a lot of political momentum. Um, it's a, a can be a long process. It requires both houses of the General Assembly to pass it with three fifths majorities, and then it, it has to be passed on the ballot um, by the people. So in the meantime, there's another common sense pension reform that we're supporting, which is to implement tier three, which is an optional hybrid uh, pension system. So half defined benefit, half defined contribution, more like uh, what everybody has in the private sector, uh, 401ks and the like. Um, and that could save as much as $577 million uh, in the budget this year. And it's fair. I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about the need to make up for budget deficits when we talk about the budget. Uh, that's mm -hmm. just where we find ourselves a lot of the time in Illinois. But tier three is important because it gets young workers out of an unfair system. So I think that's worth noting too. And in addition to pension reform, um, you've put out your annual budget proposal for how to get Illinois on a better path forward this year and in the future. What are some of the other components of fiscal reform and fairness that you're recommending? So the other um, reforms are basically to uh, rethink how we invest in kids and education. And rather than just assuming the only way to do that is to pour in more taxpayer money and increase the overall spending level, we're recommending that you cut wasteful administration, cut down on this du duplicative number of superintendents and school districts that sucks up resources that belong in the classroom, that belong with teachers and students and, and squanders them in ways that don't improve student outcomes. If you redirect the money from administration to education and our administrative costs are more bloated than anywhere else by far. So we have plenty of room to do this. You could add um, about 700, $730 million um, in education funding to classrooms without raising a penny uh, in new money in the state budget. Um, and if you do that, if you reinvest in the classrooms by, by cutting down on waste rather than by just throwing more money at, at an inefficient system, you could grow education spending in the state budget more slowly than is currently planned. So we're not saying cut it. We're not saying don't grow it. We're just saying, you know, grow it at, a, at, at sort of the long run expectation expected rate of inflation rather than the sort of arbitrary $350 million annual increase. Um, that would save money for the state budget. It would potentially save money for local property taxpayers. And all evidence shows that it would, would increase uh, the quality of our education system so students are getting um, a better education. Uh, and then there's only other one other idea. So it's, it's pension reform, um, uh, the administrative waste, and the last one is just to ask state workers to pay for a fair share of their own health insurance costs. Um, and, you know, state workers are already very well compensated. Uh, they're, you know, 
uh, on if you if you address for regional price parity in 2019, Illinois state workers were the second highest paid state workers in the nation, and their their income and compensation is growing about 60% faster than the private sector. I, I only raised that point because I want to make clear this wouldn't you know uh, leave state workers destitute or anything like that. Um, they only pay for about 20% of the cost of their own health insurance today, and that's including both premiums and out of pocket costs. Whereas in the private sector, we pay about 43% of the cost of our own health insurance. So if you just sort of level the playing field and, and right size um, what the what we're asking state workers to pay so that it more fairly matches the people who are, who are funding their salaries and compensation and ask them to pay roughly 40% of their own costs, it would save us some $550 million uh, in the budget. And you've broken this down. So each individual reform, how much savings we could realize. Um, and to your point about right sizing education spending, um, invest more in classrooms while also not growing the education budget as quickly as we might otherwise do. But over the long term, what happens to Illinois finances if we implement these reforms? Let's say that you're, you know, you have the power to snap your fingers and all three of these things happen. What are, what's the result of that? Well, you know, before the federal aid, it used to take you know, even our plan a couple of years to get to the point where the bill backlog was completely eliminated. We always balance the budget in the first year, but because of this breathing room we've gotten, it really is an opportunity for us to kind of jumpstart our recovery and head into, you know, the post-pandemic recovery um, ahead of things, rather rather than Illinois falling uh, further behind as, as we did uh, after the Great Recession. So our plan immediately closes the budget deficit, immediately pays off the entire remaining un unpaid um, backlog of bills, and because it also closes the structural deficit, the the the, the long run gap going forward, um, the the bill backlog never returns under our plan. So under our plan, the structural deficit and the bill backlog will be just just a memory, right? Something we talk about is the battle days of Illinois. Um, and on top of that, uh, we still end up with large surpluses of like over two billion dollars, um, depending on how far out you forecast that rate. That could go up to like three point six billion dollar. Um, surpluses and that means that we could either take those that money uh reinvest in the services that have been cut due to pension crowd out for the last 20 years because um spending on the poor higher education uh you know money for the disabled all these kind of core services for, for the truly needy have been cut by about 20 percent uh, as pension spending has gone up by 584% adjusted for inflation right that's a massive increase um so we could use those surpluses to kind of uh um, bring those those core government services back to where they need to be, or we could use it to cut uh, income taxes. And I would highly recommend that Illinois lawmakers seriously look at uh, cutting the income tax in Illinois. Um, I think some some twenty something states uh, cut income taxes uh, between corporate and personal income taxes last year, largely because of the federal aid. The federal aid gave them these huge surpluses, and that they were able to ask for for less in tax revenue. And that's going to those are pro growth policy decisions that will help them create jobs, grow wages, um, have a sustainable budget uh, in the in the post recovery period. Um, so I would it would encourage Illinois to consider cutting the income tax. But at the very least, if you adopt this plan, you'll have more money to spend on things that people actually care about and need. All right, so that's what we should do. What's the opposite side of that? What's the worst thing Illinois could do this budget season? The worst thing they could do would probably be a combination of uh, not using the federal money for unemployment insurance. If you use that federal money for either new programs or um, you know one-off spending, so there's two there's two different ways you could use it other than unemployment. You could create new programs 
that's a problem because when the money runs out, so does your ability to fund those programs without tax hikes. So you're, you're giving people a permanent expectation of temporary revenue, or you could use it for one-time spending, but that tends to incentivize kind of pork projects and wasteful spending, things that you wouldn't have you know, spent money on otherwise, um, whereas the unemployment trust funds are real need. So that, that's one misuse of the federal dollars. Um, the other thing that would be disastrous would be to try to close this budget deficit with any type of a tax hike. Um, Illinois is across the board ranked as a very high tax state. Um, that's particularly true for the average taxpayer. Um, there have already been a number of tax and fee increases under Governor Pritzker uh, that you know are taking more income out of the private economy, where where you know uh, investments are made that that create jobs and grow wages. Uh, so hiking taxes again would be a, a major mistake, um, as would, you know, thinking that this federal money means that you can grow your overall spending, um, because we still need to be thinking long term, we shouldn't be, you know, treating this as, you know, an election year, uh, uh, sort of Christmas tree list, um, we should be thinking about over the next two, three years, four or five years, how do we put Illinois in a position um, to grow and make up some of the ground that we lost after the Great Recession, because we made bad policy decisions. Right. So what else do people need to know about the budget? Um, I would just really encourage people to uh, look at what independent experts say about the budget, including us, uh, IllinoisPolicy.org, after Governor Pritzker comes out with his budget, but other groups as well, um, because the politicians in Illinois have gotten really good at uh, using gimmicks and tricks to make the budget appear balanced or to make things appear funded um, when we all know the reality uh, of what's been happening. So um, often when I'm looking uh, at a budget proposal from a governor of either party, um, the first question I, I have is, okay, where's the fake math, right? Where, where, where are the gimmicks that, that make this thing work on paper um, that don't actually uh, achieve savings uh, or achieve balance in practice? Um, so that, that's what we'll be offering uh, as soon as the full budget's released. Well, Adam, thank you for your perspective on this. I think that it's always tricky to read between the lines and understand what's really happening. So I'm grateful to you for doing that for us. And we will look forward to your analysis. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute and to sign up for our newsletter, visit IllinoisPolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Policy Shop.